Now hear the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Mark. When the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, and they do not eat unless they wash, and there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dinner couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And Jesus said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If a man tells his father or his mother, Whatever you would have gained for me is korban, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and many such things you do. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And then he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile the person. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise to words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. Amen. What an amazing wealth of devotional material in our readings today. And I invite you to spend some time this week reading, sitting with, and exploring what invitations God may have for you in this set of scripture. But in this time today, I want us to consider the way that these scriptures draw us to consider the mission of God, the household of God, and the image of God. The mission of God, the household of God, and the image of God. Let us start with the mission of God. Moses reminds Israel as they prepare to enter the promised land, 
to keep the covenant that God had given them. To live as a people whose righteousness demonstrates the holiness of God to the peoples around them. The mission of the people chosen by God is to image God to the world. Jesus summarizes this covenant as loving God with all that you are and loving those that you encounter in the same way as you love yourself. Jesus links this loving way to the image of God as he tells us that the world will know that we are the ones who follow Jesus, the ones who bear his image by the way that we hold one another in love. John the seer gives us a glimpse of the fulfillment of this mission as a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from every tribe and people and language stand before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and they cry out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb. The mission of God is the redemption and reconciliation of the world to himself. And the role of the church in this mission is to faithfully image God and invite everyone to encounter the love of God in the beloved community that is the body of Christ. So let's look a little more closely at this beloved community that is the household of God. We heard last week from Paul the way that our individual households reflect the love of Christ for the church and the way that the church reflects the love of Christ to our households. Jesus draws our attention back to the importance of the household in our mission to image God as he rebukes the Pharisees for making void the word of God for the sake of tradition as they ignore the commandment to honor your mother and father. They ignore the commandment of the household for the tradition. Let's take a moment to place this in the context of our gospel lesson. We rejoin Mark after four weeks in John. Jesus has fed the 5,000. He's walked on the water to join the disciples in the boat. He's gone about the region of Gennesaret healing the sick. Jesus, being revealed as a prophet, doing the works of a prophet, proclaiming and manifesting the kingdom of God. And this prophet in Galilee has drawn the attention of the religious community in Jerusalem. And some of the Pharisees and the scribes have come down to Galilee to examine this prophet Jesus. If you'll allow me to caricature the Pharisees for a moment. We might consider them as a holiness movement. They sought to apply the purity codes of the priests and the Levites to all people. In essence, each household becomes a little temple, and each meal a remembrance of the sacrifice. The holy invading the mundane. This should sound a little familiar to you. But there is danger in holiness movements. Whether in first century Judea or the 21st century church, or everywhere in between, Holiness movements start well. They encounter, they engage the people in prayer, in worship, in service, and in scripture reading. They encounter God and discern his will, his call to action in a particular place and at a particular time. 
However, at some point, the movement experiences mission drift. They become more about the mission of the movement than the mission of God. The practices that were so important in the beginning become badges of honor rather than places of encounter. The traditions of the movement become more important than the will of God. Instead of being a witness to the love of God, the movement becomes a gotcha group of external righteousness as a sign of belonging. The Pharisees had become this kind of group. The practices that were intended to set them apart as exemplars of God's righteousness had instead become barriers to experiencing the community and presence of God. They had become so worried about the externals, they neglected the internals. They criticized the disciples of Jesus for eating without going through a ritual purification. And Jesus calls this holiness movement back to its roots as the household of God on the mission of God to be the image of God to all nations. And then Jesus talks about what truly is defilement, ritual uncleanness. And he talks about it in terms of the heart rather than in terms of behaviors. The ultimate des desecration of the holy image of God is not the desecration and defamation of the temple in Jerusalem. The ultimate desecration of the image of God occurs when the temple that is our heart is desecrated by idolatry that results in us following the evil intentions of our heart. Paul calls the household of God to guard against this sort of defilement, not by the actions and rituals of the flesh, not against the flesh and blood adversaries that we're tempted to name as enemies. Paul warns us to guard our hearts against the deceptions and distractions and divisions from the rulers, the principalities, the cosmic powers, and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And Paul uses the imagery of battle armor to illustrate how the truth and righteousness of God the reign of shalom in the kingdom of God, faith in the never-failing promises of God, healing and wholeness in the presence of God, and reliance on the Spirit of God and the Word of God protect us against evil. They protect us from defiling the image of God through the evil intentions that may have invaded our hearts. Jesus warns us about the defiling actions that stem from these evil intentions. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. We can look through the story of Israel and find these. We can look through the history of the church and find these. We can look through the headlines of today and find these marring the witness of the church. The deceptions, distractions, and divisions that Paul warned us about are at work among us today as much now as in any time before. We have the opportunities to see and react, to share our evil intentions in ways that are unprecedented in an instant across the world. We can respond in fear, in pride, in envy, in slander, in name-calling, 
brutishness, in sensuality and immorality, and in all manner of wickedness and foolishness to the events and issues of our time. We have become far too easily inspired by hate rather than empowered by love, and we lose sight of the mission of God. We attack one another in the household of God, and we desecrate the image of God before the world. So what can we do? I can assure you, I don't have any easy answers. In fact, I'm sure that if there were indeed any easy answers, someone far wiser and holy than I would have found them in the previous 2,000 years. But I do have some ideas that we might explore. First, we hold before us our call to the mission of God are called to image God to the world, to bring all nations into the healing presence of God. In practice, we might look to St. Paul's instructions to discern the source of division and deceit and to place it where it truly lies in Satan and his minions. Paul's call to be clothed in the spiritual protection of the Almighty God his call to pray at all times in the spirit for the mission of the church to boldly proclaim manifest and present the fullness of the image of God to the world and to invite the world to encounter the love of God it is in this way that we can follow the command of Jesus to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us second we hold before us our call to be the household of God. In practice, we can remember that the individual household is the example to the church and the church the example to the individual household of what it means to be a people of Christ. So just as I caricatured the Pharisees earlier, please permit me to romanticize a moment in our Anglican history. In many ways, the monastic system had run the course of holiness movements by the 16th century. It had become exclusive rather than inviting, organizationally self-serving rather than God-serving. And yet, and yet the spiritual practices of prayer and service at the core were still good. Part of the prayer book vision was recapturing some of this goodness by breaking down the division between lay and religious life, such that the good of the discipline of the daily prayers was no longer confined to the monastery, but was part of the daily life of the people. No longer were there monastic prayers, but there was a book of common prayer in the form of the daily office and the devotions for families, the household of the parish and the households of the parish became the monastery became the place of prayer. What if, what if each of us envisioned our parish and our households to be places of prayer, places of sanctuary, places of radical hospitality, places filled with love, places which manifest the image of God and invite those around us to encounter the healing and transformation in the love
godly. We hold before us our call to be the image of God. In practice, that might mean following the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to examine our hearts, to examine and reveal those evil intentions that Jesus speaks of. Those that stem from seeking to have our needs and desires met in ways that are apart from God. Often, we're tempted when we encounter these evil intentions to tough it out, to deny them, to resist them, to try to behave good instead of trying to desire well. We try to fix ourselves rather than turning our hearts to God and allowing Him to meet our needs and to fulfill our desires. I'll mention briefly two practices that may help us to open our hearts to God in a way that brings healing and transformation. The first is learning from the Psalms the prayers of lament and the prayers of imprecation. There are times when the circumstances of the world around us seem absent from the presence and the justice of God. Times when things are just not right. And lament is the practice of naming these things before God. Saying, these are the things that are not right, God. These are the things that are not in keeping with your love, with your kingdom, with your power and your sovereignty. These are things that are not right. And then acknowledging our inability to fix them. And calling upon God as the one who can fix things to come and be present. Things are not right. I am powerless to fix them. God, you are the one who can fix them, and you need to do it now. And then in our boldness, we wait before God. We wait to encounter the presence of God, even in our trying times. Whether God fixes or God waits, we encounter the love of God and we respond in praise. This is the way of lament that the, that the Psalms teach us. There are also times when we are hurt and angry and frustrated, rightly or wrongly, and we're mad at people. We wish them ill. And the Psalms of Imprecation welcome us to bring this anger, hurt, and frustration into the presence of God. Instead of holding it within ourselves or spewing it out in the wickedness that Jesus talks about in slander and murder. The psalms of imprecation invite us to surrender our pain into the healing of God. And these are the practices of lament and the practices of imprecation. And the second practice that I invite you to is the practice of welcoming prayer. This is the type of prayer in which we offer hospitality to the emotions, needs, and desires that we would otherwise deny or resist. As we look at this list of defiling actions that Jesus names, if we look carefully, we can see the desire behind the action. And as we welcome this desire into the presence of the Holy Spirit, we also invite the Holy Spirit to reveal the way that God is inviting us to have these needs fulfilled in Him. 
Let us take as an example from Jesus' list in the uh, coveting. Coveting springs from envy. In my welcoming prayer, I might welcome envy as a guest into my prayer. Welcome envy, old friend. What do you have to share with me today? And I might hear that I am seeking my worth and value by comparing myself to others rather than finding my worth and value in the love of God. I then might be able to pray for the eyes to see the love that God has for me, the ears to hear his love and encouragement for me, and a prayer to have a heart that is turned to him for healing. This indeed is the power welcoming prayer. And so as we consider our call to the mission of God, our call to be the household of God, our call to image God to a world in need of love and hope and light, please pray with me. Heavenly Father, guide us in your mission. Lord Jesus Christ, form us into your household, the church. Holy Spirit, guide and protect us that we may truly image love in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.